I would like to continue in the same vein and spirit of the brother concerning the matters of of uh, Good Friday and Easter and the some considerations concerning some of those that were there beholding Jesus and and the events that was in that that great time that time of his greatest sorrow and suffering and then his glorious resurrection from the dead we have heard much during these past weeks concerning these blessed and high matters and I would and hope that there would be a need in each and every heart for this suffering Savior and his meritorious work that it would not go in vain that our hearts would be so filled with this world and consumed in this world that that the words have gone over our head as it were and that we benefited nothing by the speaking of the word and neither in our daily life do we need to draw from this great work of redemption that is so necessary for each and every one of us because of our fallen condition and we truly need a savior. I will read in the previous chapter, the 23rd chapter of Luke, from where the brother read. Beginning at the 32nd verse, we read in Jesus' name. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding And the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar. And saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Amen.
We stand before the Word of God this morning hour of grace, somewhat trembling for the severe matters that took place regarding our Savior. There are such high matters and there is that fear that we might misconstrue the word, that we might mislead someone concerning these great matters and these high matters. Therefore, it is needful that we search the scriptures, examine the scriptures, and that we study them word for word, that we come to understand them rightly and understand this matter of our redemption correctly. We also need that the Holy Spirit would reside within our heart and make these precious matters alive to us. The story, or should we say the work, of redeeming love. Our redemption. Redeeming us from death, hell, condemnation, and the devil. We would that God would grant us then from his word, even this morning, some word of truth that would enter into our heart and cause us to live. Enter into our heart and help us on the journey to focus on our redemption more correctly and more in depth. We are not here to just speak of a gory story, a horror story. That is not the purpose. But we are here to consider of these high and holy matters and also that we might find from the severity of the death of the Son of God, we might find then the severity of our own sins. For as the song so wonderfully puts it, that ye who think of sin but lightly, nor suppose the evil great, here may view its nature rightly, here its guilt may estimate. Come now and see. Draw an eye with the throng as they go towards Mount Golgotha. For they hear that it is a day when murderers are put to death and many turn out. There was two malefactors, that is, they were robbers that were, they were captured and they were arrested and they were brought to trial and they were accused and the sentence was that they must be put to death. There was also a third man that was to be put to death who for sedition and murder. And he committed this murder in a uprising against the government. For the word tells us that he was, he was arrested for insurrection, which is a uprising and a revolt against the government and he committed murder in this insurrection. And now the day had come when these criminals are to be put to death. 
as has happened throughout the ages and still happens in our America today, that men who have committed violent crimes are put to death according to the laws contained in the scriptures. But a strange thing happened prior to this day of crucifixion and execution. And when the Jews in their feast day, it was their custom that they would release a criminal. And this man who was supposed to take the middle cross, they cried out, release him, release Barabbas to us and crucified Jesus. So a strange turn of events happened as the many of the people were coming to this crucifixion and they expected to see three whose probably faces were very sullen and rife with their criminal deeds and the guilt that filled their heart and consciences shone on their countenances, but rather it was a different turn of events. And there was put on this middle cross a sign, and it was written in three languages. This is the king of the Jews. A high word of mockery. Jesus was a Jew. He wasn't entirely a, a Jew. Well, he was. But he didn't associate in the full sense that the Jews did in their ritualistic worship and in their laws. But he was the Messiah that the Jews were waiting for. And when he came, many did not recognize him as the Messiah that they were waiting for. And they contended with him much. They resisted him in his words. They challenged him in his understandings. And they reproved him for his manner of life, which was not according to the strictness of the Old, Old Testament laws. And they were confused at this Jesus. That what kind of a man is this that does so many miracles and he is able to do so many wondrous things? And yet, he doesn't walk with us. He doesn't worship with us, God's chosen people. He was an enigma among them. That is, he was a strange phenomena among the Jews. Though it is a word of mockery that he was the king of the Jews, it is a truth that Jesus truly is the king of the Jews. And a Jew is not one outwardly, but a Jew is one inwardly. And he is our king. But now the world understood that Jesus was a leader of the Jewish people and the disciples, as we heard the brother, the disciples trusted 
that this Jesus would deliver the Jewish people. That now came the deliverer. Him who we thought would redeem and save Israel, they have condemned him. We thought that he was going to save Israel. We thought that he was going to reign in such power and become the king and lord, the high king in Israel, so that Israel will be a no longer a oppressed nation, but it will have victory over all its enemies. And it will subdue the greatest threat to it, namely the Roman Empire. And they trusted that this Jesus was going to deliver the Jews and that he would reign king supreme in Jerusalem and his disciples, his chosen hand-picked twelve disciples, they even murmured and they strove among themselves, now who is going to be the greatest in this wondrous upcoming kingdom? And they even asked Jesus that who will be the greatest in your kingdom? And Jesus directed them and said some strange things to him. He that will be the greatest in my kingdom, let him be a servant. Let him serve. Let him humble himself down and wash the feet of the people. He will be the greatest in my kingdom. Ah, they didn't like that at all. They wanted to be sitting in the lesser thrones, one on his right and one on his left also with lesser crowns than the king wore, robed in their scarlet and in their velvet, and rule and reign. They, his own disciples, did not understand what the nature of Jesus' kingdom was at this point. They only were looking for an outward kingdom. You know, there are many disciples today that are also, they may laugh and they may mock and say, oh, they were, they didn't understand. They were so foolish. You know, there are many disciples that are following Christ today with the same heart. And maybe there are many sitting here this morning that have the same heart as these ignorant disciples. And that Jesus to you is a savior of the body. Because you are a Christian, because you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, you have been born perhaps into Christianity, or you have been converted into the Christianity, and you feel that Jesus is going to do for you special favors. He's going to protect you from danger and harm in this world, and you are going to be honored, and that men should bow to you in this world because Jesus gives you this honor. You are yet carnal in your Christianity. And you, together with these ignorant disciples, unconverted disciples, are looking for an earthly kingdom and your hope is that Jesus will protect you from danger and harm and that he will prosper you in this world and you look no further because you understand not the nature of Jesus' kingdom. His kingdom is of a spiritual nature. It is spelled out here. We shouldn't jump to the last verses of the text here. But being it is the same subject. There were two 
that also were there with Jesus and one whose heart was concerning this temporal life. These malefactors. And one said that if you are the Son of God, save us and thyself. If you are the Son of God, come down from this cross and save us from this death and restore our life and our dignity to us. That was his only cry. We know what the cry of the other one was. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Here we see carnal Christianity and we see spiritual and enlightened Christianity in these two malefactors. One's concern was that Jesus would preserve his life and the other says, we are justly here for this is the reward of our deeds, this crucifixion. And he did not challenge Jesus to take him down from the cross and save his life. But he looked ahead. He looked to that spiritual kingdom and he pleaded, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Does this answer to you? Do you need this crucifixion, this crucified Christ, this day and every day? Do you have that same heart that you do not challenge Jesus? You have no merit with which you go to Jesus and say that on this merit and this meritorious work, I deserve a position in your kingdom. Or rather do you say, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Pleading for mercy. Pleading that this Jesus would save you. That he would help you in your plight. And not necessarily save you in this world. And we say it wrong when we say necessarily. And not save you in this world but in the world to come, in His kingdom, when He establishes His kingdom. Oh, that hearts would be pleading unto this Jesus and would need this crucified Christ. And though we lose our life in this world, we shall find it in the world to come. For Jesus plainly says, He that seeketh to save his life shall lose it. But he that loseth his life for my sake and the gospel's shall find it unto eternal life. Are you willing to lose your life? Are you willing to deny yourself and take up the cross? Are you willing to die with Christ that you might receive a new life? That you might receive a spiritual life? a spiritual relationship with the Lord Jesus, wherein your soul begins to receive joy unspeakable and full of glory. And your hope is not in this world that you might be something in this world, that this Jesus might preserve your honor and your life 
and night, and that he might elevate you in this world. Maybe some have prayed that your business would prosper well, and you with earnest heart have gone to the Lord in prayer, praying that you will prosper in this world, not knowing that you pray amiss. Though it is not wrong that we ask our Heavenly Father through the Lord Jesus for help in this world, for sure. But if our whole thought is that we might excel and exceed in this world, then you are following a carnal Christ and you are not spiritual. We read here... Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Amazing a man being crucified, being wrongly put to death, falsely accused, and put to death, and a pure heart of divine love comes through. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Bless those that are nailing me to this cross. Forgive them their sins and let them taste of divine love and joy and freedom and liberty that only I am able to give. If we heard in our day and age that some profound, some renowned person, and I can hardly think of an example in today's world, but let's Probably the greatest example we could use of a venerable, renowned person of, of good character is probably Queen Elizabeth. The next generation is questionable. If we heard that false, false accusations were thrown against her and that she is about to be hanged because she's been carrying on witchcraft on the side and living a life of ill ill repute. And we know it not to be true. What a horrible thing that they would take and defrock her and that they would hang her maybe in London Square and spit at her, put a sign above her mocking her. It would be an outrage in this world. The world would be outraged with compassion for this one person and rightly so and how much more for the Lord Jesus but the world was not outraged the world was there crying crucify him crucify him that is the Christian or the religious world not the Christian world the religious world was crying out crucify him crucify him But not everybody in the throng and in the crowd was crying out, crucify him. Not all were of that mind. Many were there wondering and pondering. There was women there, Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. There were soldiers. There were centurions there. And probably right across the board from the kings down to the lowest paupers, 
Well, they're, they're observing this cruci- crucifixion of this strange man. And yes, there were disciples there standing afar off beholding the crucifixion of their master that they walked with for years. And they, though they said, all of them, that they would die with Jesus because they felt that their love was so devoted to him that none of them died with Jesus. And when they came near to death, what happened? We know that one denied him and says, I don't even know him. Though formerly he had said, I will go to death with you. We know who that is. That was the boasting and strong Peter who became very, very weak when his faith and his testimony was put to the test. He says, I don't know the man. I don't know what you speak. And he swore and he says, I know not this man. He denied that he had any association with Jesus when Jesus was in the fire of trial and death appeared to be very close. But the disciples were standing afar off. Peter had tasted already just a little bit of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was beginning to understand what Jesus' message was, though he had been schooled by Jesus for three and three and a half years. But the experience began to work within his heart. And when he was standing in the distance, at the hill of Calvary. He was probably quaking and quivering there. He was probably ashamed of himself because he just denied his Lord. And maybe tears flowed again and they flowed the night that he denied the Lord Jesus. And there were the followers of Jesus Christ. They were watching from a distance, probably in horror probably weeping. The Bible doesn't say, but maybe some of them even fainted. They didn't understand why this had to take place. Their faith was not open yet and their eyes were not open yet to realize that this must take place in order for Jesus' kingdom to be established, in order for Him to take away the sins of the whole world and cleanse us from our sins that we might inherit the eternal kingdom which is Jesus' kingdom, for it is a heavenly kingdom and not a kingdom here on earth centered in Jerusalem. So this Jesus prayed while he was being crucified, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. No revenge, whatever. Though the pain was severe, though the pain in his heart was severe, For he not only had the pain of the nails and the crown of thorns and the spear in his side and the mockings, but he had the wrath of his father against the sins of the whole world upon his heart. Oh, that it might enter into our heart and that the words would not go over our head. Dear soul, sitting here young and old, your sins were pressing upon his conscience and upon his heart that day. He was paying for your sins. The Son of God, the innocent Lamb of God, was there paying for your sins in atoning for your sins that you might be released from your sins. Does it mean anything to you? 
Does this gospel of grace, does it mean anything to you this day? Has it meant anything to you in the past? Or are you going to reject it and let your heart be filled with all manner of earthly things? Are you going to follow a, a false Christ who offers you honor in this world and no suffering? Or are you going to follow this Jesus who was willing to suffer in your stead? Who was willing to take your guilt and your sins as his own and bear all that they, that they were due? And he willingly did that. And when he cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, he was crying that in your behalf also. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Oh, that our heart could be drawn to such an immaculate heart, to such a divine love. Oh, that we would be drawn towards him and knit with him so that our trust and faith would be fully established upon this work of redeeming love by the very Son of God. We live in a day and age of much darkness. I have said that it appears that the light is becoming lighter and the darkness is becoming darker in today's world. And maybe that's a poor description, but it appears that that's the way it is. But maybe the light is becoming darker and the darkness is becoming darker also. I don't know. But we pray that the light would not go out. We pray that the light of living Christianity and the light of God and His Word and the Holy Spirit would not be taken from our midst. Are you willing to let another have your crown? Are you willing to sacrifice your birthright for a bowl of pottage? Are you willing to give up your salvation for what this world has to offer? Put the question to your own heart, dear friend gathered here. Are you going to continue to run in sin and pleasure and not really care whether your soul is saved or not? I believe many are in that condition. Many are running from one pleasure to another, though they gather with the Christians and aren't really too careful concerning their soul. What is going to happen on Judgment Day? You will not know this merciful Lord. He will not know you as one who has pleaded for grace from Him. You will not be His child by faith. You will not be an heir to the kingdom, to the eternal kingdom, and a co-heir with Jesus Christ. For you have made careless the matters of redeeming love. You have looked lightly upon them. There's also this danger that when we are in the Christianity and we gather together week after week and we hear the message of gospel and grace and we hear it over and over again have we become so full that we become careless is there no hungering in our hearts is there no hungering and thirsting after righteousness we come here and while we're here our thoughts are elsewhere and we receive nothing from the word of God and when we go away we're all excited about 
worldly and earthly things and temporal things. And the word of God means almost nothing to us. And yet we can sit in the hearing of God's word for years and years and years. Oh, what a pitiful condition. What a terrible condition to be in the presence of the hearing of God's word and have no ears to hear. And do not comprehend the saving grace of God in Jesus Christ for your own soul. And then when the last judgment and final judgment comes, then your life opens before you and you say that, I held the gospel as cheap. It was so meaningless that I didn't even put in the effort to listen. My heart and mind was filled with earthly things and I thought all would go well with me. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Oh, may God quicken our hearts. May He cause the light of love to shine brighter in our midst. We plead and pray that the light of God would shine in the midst of Goshen. That is a figure of speech. Where the Israelites were in the land of Egypt when there was darkness in all the land. The plague of darkness was upon the land, but there was light in Goshen. May there be light in our Christianity and in our hearts in this day and age. We need to plead for this light. We need to plead for this grace. Oh God, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Are we better than David who prayed? Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. But search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Do we not need to plead daily unto this crucified Lord and this risen Lord and this living Lord Jesus that your sufferings would not go in vain in our behalf, behalf but keep our hearts in a small place. Keep us in such a small place that we find ourselves daily as sinners and that we need Thy great grace, Lord Jesus, to cover us each and every day as we sojourn. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Oh, beautiful was the promise to that criminal. Jesus didn't look upon him and say, You are too great of a sinner. Jesus didn't point one finger or make one word of accusation to this pleading robber. Isn't that amazing? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Only pure grace embodying forgiveness of all his sins was shown to this robber in the last hours of his death. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Children of God and all that have gathered here, that there is a paradise ahead. There is a paradise. You know, we become accustomed to this life and sometimes we think this is the best there is. Sometimes we feel that, well, such is life and we're making the best of it. It has its little troubles. But we don't realize that we are living in a body of death and we are living on a earth which ground was cursed and the word of judgment was 
placed upon Adam that in sorrow shall thou eat the thy in sorrow shalt thou eat thy bread all the days of thy life, and in the sweat of thy face. We can set out as we all do, looking for a fine day and a pleasurable day and something enjoyable to do. And we always think that that maybe today will be better than yesterday or maybe we'll have an enjoyable day today. But know this, that all the days of our life here we journey in sorrow. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And it is more important than when we arise that we plead unto the Lord Jesus for grace for this day that first and foremost that he would help us to be his child in obedience and that he would help us through the troubles of this day. That he would grant moment by moment graces to help us each day. That we don't try to just avoid the troubles of life but rather that we look at them square on and deal with them. And that we would patiently bear whatever the tribulation and the trouble is of each day. Knowing that this sentence was put upon us from the beginning, that is, since the fall. And that life will be troublesome and it will have its miseries. But there is a paradise ahead for the children of God. There is that life that knows no ending ahead. That life of pure joy and perfect happiness. And we press on to it. And we would that one day we might receive that kind of a life. That we don't have to labor and toil every day until we return to the earth from where we came. But rather we might be a partaker of that blessed freedom and that peace and that life that does not know labor and, and toil but that life that is full of glory and exaltation with the Father and with the Lamb of God the dear Son who has suffered so much in everlasting joy with all the hosts of heaven all the holy angels and the redeemed flock is there. The redeemed flock with white robes and palms in their hands, singing joyous praises unto him who has saved them out of this world and saved them from sin, hell, death, and the devil. We want to be there. I tell my little children, my little grandchildren, when we are once in a while drawn together and we read the scriptures and it's so good when they move our hearts that read the story about Daniel in the lion's den. Read the story about the, the robber on the, on the cross. And they come to us and they inspire us to open the word of God and, and we share together. And we are, when we are talking of last things, I assure their little hearts also that I want to be there. I want to be there in heaven with all the saints that have gone on before and with the Father and with the Son and all the glorious angels there. Which angels know not 
the song of redemption. They must only submit and listen as the redeemed flocks sing the song of redemption. Begin to know it here. Begin to know it now, the song of redemption, so that when you get there, you will already be a little bit practiced to sing the song of redemption. And there, you will sing it most perfectly. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, as we depart one from another and go to our individual homes and places that we gather and where we abide, Father, we thank Thee for this day. We thank Thee that we have been around Thy holy word. We thank Thee for, for the light that comes from above. And Father, cause the light to shine yet brighter and brighter in our midst and in our hearts. Be gracious unto us, children of the last days, O Father, be not weary of us, for according to thy word, thy strength faileth not. But yet there is also that word, that I will not always strive with man, for that he is flesh. But we hold to that, dear Father, that thy strength faileth not. Therefore, Father, the same strengths and graces that you have given to the children of old, thy children, grant it unto us, the children of the last days. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee everlasting peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen. We'll plan to gather again this evening for evening service at 7 o'clock. Um, the visiting brothers will be in our midst again Tuesday evening with for church here at 7 o'clock. Brothers Esberg and Tullonen, that'll be the final service with them. Um, We're going to plan to forego the Thursday evening service unless some of you felt strongly about that. Um, it's a short notice also. Confirmation will begin meeting here next Saturday at 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, parents, try to find the baptismal certificate. June 10th, with Confirmation Sunday being June 11th. Um, next Sunday morning, Sunday school at 9.30 with a communion service at 10.30 and again an evening service at 7 p.m. And in closing, we'll sing song number 391. And during the singing of this song, there'll be a free will offering for the benefit of our church. Also, yeah, I forgot. Thanks for helping me. A week from this Tuesday will be our congregation's annual meeting at 7.30 here at the church. And we encourage as many of you, as many of you as can attend to please try to show an interest in the affairs of our congregation.
one more announcement or two more announcements. Um, spring cleaning will be Monday and Wednesday. We won't have it Tuesday because of the services. Monday, and would it be groups one through four first on Monday, and then groups five through eight on Wednesday. And also, it was requested that we'd have coffee after the Tuesday evening service. Is there, what's the congregation's wish on that? Okay. That'll be group five serving coffee Tuesday evening. <laughs> 